Good singing tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24. It's the verse we used this morning. And our message on adversity. And this is adversity part two. We looked at... Uh, we looked at some, some purposes this morning that God has for adversity. And one of the things I want to just reiterate, I'm not going to go through all the, the nine. If you want that, you can go ahead and, and uh, get the message. It's been, it's been recorded. You can get it on our website, uh, freedombaptistny.com. And uh, I'll tell you, our sound guys are sharp. I mean, they're right with it. On Sunday morning and Sunday night, it's moments after the service. And uh, that thing is up, and uh, so and I appreciate them uh, them being very swift and prompt with that. But uh, we looked at we looked at at at, a, at eight purposes of adversity. We're going to look at eight more tonight. One of the things I want I do want to reiterate is there there is a a proper response to adversity, and uh, and we need we need to realize that our response really. Is crucial, and it's, pro- it's crucial that we have the proper response. Um, our, our number one, our number one re- uh, reaction to adversity should not be to first try to, to remove it. However, obviously, if if it's something that because of your of your sin, God would stop the chastening. If you repented, then repent. Uh, obviously, if it's something that God specifically would like to remove, you pray and you ask him to do so, and he does so, that's fine. But if it remains, understand that it's remaining in order to reveal to you a weakness. And we need to recognize what that, weak, what that weakness is, and then we need to, to rely upon God's grace. God says, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so when we're physically weak and when we're being pummeled, then that's when God it can be strong on our behalf. And the second, second proper response is don't focus on the obvious outward circumstances, but, but realize what you're dealing with. And you're dealing with a spiritual battle of one sort or another. And that it, it is a spiritual issue. I, I believe all adversity... It is is a spiritual issue, and uh, and we need to deal with it as such. And understand that God is trying to get our attention on something. And then thirdly, don't don't try to deal with it in the flesh. You can't. Uh, you know, we oftentimes uh, we we see adversity, we see a problem, and um, and and we try to we try to headbutt it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've broken my head a few times uh, trying to headbutt adversity. Uh, you need to realize, and I need to realize, that the only way that you're going to get through that thing is by the power of the Spirit of God and by God's strength, not your own. But look with me, if you would, in Proverbs 24, and let's all stand together. And let's read it together again as we did this morning. Proverbs chapter 24, and look down in verse 10. Let's read it together. If thou faint in the day of adversity... Thy strength is small. One more time. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, one of the things that adversity shows us is it shows us our own weaknesses. It shows us uh, sometimes that we're not as strong as we thought we were. 
but Lord, uh, adversity has a place in our life, and adversity has a purpose. And it's not just something that in a Christian's life that just happens uh, haphazardly. It's something that happens on purpose and has a purpose. As we take a look at some things in Scripture this evening, help us to once again be acquainted with some of the reasons and some of the purposes that uh, you allow adversity, adversity to come into our lives. We pray, Father, I pray, Lord, you give me strength, give me clearness of mind for this message. Uh, God, I love you. I'm so glad you're my Savior. I'm so glad you're my God. Quite frankly, I'm glad that you've allowed adversity over the years to enter into my life. Because of that adversity, I've gotten stronger in Christ. Because of that adversity, I, I have been able to look back now and see how you provide and how you were strong uh, on, on my behalf over and over and over again. God, help us just to see adversity through the eyes of our Savior tonight and uh, help us, uh, Lord, to understand exactly why you allow it. And we'll be careful to thank you and to praise you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. The, the ninth reason why, or ninth purpose that God has for adversity is one of the things God wants to do with adversity is to increase our hatred of evil. Uh, sometimes, and in fact oftentimes, adversity comes into our lives in the form of consequences. And we talked about this this morning, about the, the so-reap principle and because we have sown to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. Well, uh, that corruption comes in the form of adversity. And uh, sin has consequences. And one of the reasons why sin has consequences and why God doesn't let us get away with stuff is that, it, is that he wants us to see what sin does, what sin does to us, and therefore develop a hatred for that sin. The, the consequences of sin remind us of some things. It reminds us how sin has hindered our potential to serve God and has hurt Him. Don't, don't ever forget that every sin that, that we commit is first and foremost against God. Uh, one of the things we try to teach our kids when they're growing up and we went through the discipline process, after the, the discipline was all done, they needed to get right. They might have pushed a brother. They might have, they might have sassed mom. They might have disobeyed a command. Uh, and, and individual people might have been involved in the thing. But we, made them, we tried to make them understand that that's not the most important offense. First of all and foremost, you sinned against God, so you need to bow your head and pray and ask God to forgive you for that thing. And uh, uh, that's, what, that's what the consequences of sin remind us of, is that uh, you know, we were not able to serve God the way that we would desire to serve God, and we have, we have hurt Him, and we've sinned against Him. Secondly, it, it, uh, it, it reminds us of, of how sin has robbed us from the blessings of God. Um, you know, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, sin never is, never has been, nor never will be your friend. Uh, sin is, has, is never a good thing in the life of a Christian, and it'll rob you from the blessings of God. 
And then the, the third thing that adverse uh, adversity and circumstances and consequences because of sin in our lives uh, remind us of is, is how sin damages the lives of others whom we love. Uh, it can not only hurt us, well, first of all, it hurts God. Second of all, it, it hurts us. Third of all, it hurts others. And, and when we see that and the more we see that, the more we'll, we'll hate that sin. Uh, you, you talk to... You talk to people that, that grew up in a drunkard's home, and many times you find, particularly among Christians, they grew up in a, in a drunkard's home. They hate, they hate booze. They hate it. Um, I, I know of one, there's one uh, radio personality who uh, evidently his uh, mom was, was a drunkard, and his, in fact his whole family had a, a history of that. And he says, I don't, I don't touch this stuff. And he says, I don't touch this stuff because I've seen what it can do. And I hate that, that thing. Well, you say, well, it wasn't good that he was raised in, in a drunkard's home. Well, yeah, it, it would have been better had he not been. But the truth of the matter is he, he gained a hatred for that, for that sin. And that is a good thing. And the Bible uh, links the, the hatred of sin with something else. Go with me over to Proverbs chapter 8. Just back up a little bit in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 8, and look down in verse 13. Proverbs 8, 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Uh, our hatred to sin is, is linked to our fear of the Lord, and as, as our fear of God begins to grow, uh, because of consequences of sin, and also that, that hatred for sin will also grow. Another, another purpose that God has for allowing adversity into our lives is it reminds us to pray for our authorities. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. <coughs> 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter two, <clears throat> verses one and two says, "I exhort therefore, the first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty." When that peace begins to be removed, and that adversity comes. That ought to be a reminder to us that we need to be praying for our authorities. Um, you know, we just recently, what, about a week ago Tuesday, went over to Heritage Baptist in Palmyra for a meeting uh, because there's some legislation that is coming down the pipe. And uh, that legislation has, has, to do, has to do with vaccinations. But it really goes a whole lot deeper than the, than the vaccination issue. What it is, is it's a freedom and a liberty issue. And what it, what it will do, what these various bills will do, is take away freedom and take away liberty from us. That will hinder us in our lives, and it will cause us to not live peaceably, and it will cause us to, to be, be hindered in our service to God. What should that trigger us to do? I know what it triggers most of us to do. 
just gripe and complain and bellyache and moan. Uh, let me ask you something. Since you heard about that legislation, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been praying more for, for government authorities? How many of you have been praying more for our, our governor that, that he would get some wisdom? We, do, we just recently had some legislation that was passed in the state of New York. They call it bail reform. And really what it is, is it's protecting the so-called rights of the criminals rather than protecting uh, the, the victims. And uh, so instead of uh, taking a person who has just committed a crime and putting them in jail, they go ahead and they, they, they let them go and they just write out, basically write them a ticket and say, here, go to court. And, and what happens, in fact, it's already happened, and we're only, but where, where are we, on the 11th or 12th? Today's the 12th. Um, 12th of, of January, so 12 days this thing has been going on, and what has happened is, is that people have been uh, caught in an offense, they've been given a ticket, they're supposed to show up in court, and they go out, and within two hours later, I've heard several cases of this already, just in this area, Within two hours later, they, they're, they're caught doing the same thing all over again. Well, again, is that a good thing? No, that's a horrible thing. But what it ought, you know, should, should we, you know, we, have the, we have the freedom in this country to be a part of government and to, to petition our legislators, and, and that's a wonderful thing. And we ought to do those things. But also what we need to do is pray. And what those, those adversities uh, remind us of is that uh, we have a responsibility, and that's to, to pray for authorities. Uh, authorities are supposed to be an umbrella of protection over us. Now you go to uh, Romans chapter 13, and Romans 13 talks about uh, the, the fact that the powers that be are ordained of God, and that, that God sets powers up, brings powers down, but their purpose is to uh, protect those that are underneath them. However, oftentimes those, those umbrellas have holes in them. And one of the ways those holes get patched is through our prayers. We need to be praying uh, for our authorities, and adversity teaches us and reminds us to do that. Another purpose of adversity in our life is it can be a warning. And it can be a warning that our, their priorities in our life are not right. Uh, when we lack the necessities of life, we need to, to put the brakes on and, and sit and study the thing and say, okay, what am I doing wrong? What, why are my priorities out of whack? And the reason why I say that is because the Bible says over in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of, of God, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, these things that shall be added unto you are the basic provisions of life they spoke of before. Uh, if the basic provisions of life are not there, then you're not seeking the kingdom of God first. And that ought to be a, a warning flag that our priorities are not right. Uh, failing to, to spend time with the Lord because of wrong priorities. Will, sh will show up, and it'll show up in a lack of faith and a lack of wisdom for decisions, and then we make the wrong decisions, and then the adversity comes 
because of the wrong decisions. Uh, failures in the lives of others uh, can often be signals that our priorities are not right. What do you talk? You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Have you ever watched someone make a wrong decision, uh, not grow like they're supposed to, uh, you know, do do something very, very adverse to their Christian life? And as you, as you watch them make that decision, maybe they get mad at God, maybe they get mad at, at, at the church, maybe they get mad at individuals. And, and at first you look at them and say, well, what a, what a stupid decision. And then you start thinking about it for a while and say, you know, I really haven't prayed for that person like I ought to pray for them. I've really not... Uh, tried to be a blessing to that individual. Maybe I'm a part of the problem. Uh, adversity, when it comes into the life of others, uh, can be used of God to get our attention, to show us that you know, maybe there's some, some things that we, we need to be looking at in our own life in our response to others. Uh, trouble can come from wrong priorities resulting in trying to do things sometimes that God never intended for us to do or, or more that we should have done and did not do. Uh, in, in either case, uh, trouble can come from just us not having the right priorities. And, and uh, adversity shows us the fact that our priorities are out of whack. Another purpose of, of adversity is that God's way of testing our work and our service for him. You know, you, you've heard the old saying, anybody can serve God when the sun's shining bright. Anybody can serve God on the mountaintop. Okay, but how about when you're in the valley? How about, you know, a, a classic example of that, of course, is the, is the book of Job and Job himself. And his wife came up to him when he had lost his kids. He lost, they had lost their kids. They had lost, you know, it wasn't just him. She lost it too, lost all the wealth lost all their buildings, lost everything. And she came up to, to uh, Job and says, why don't you just curse God and die? And, and his classic response really, really shows that adversity really made him stronger and made him uh, really tested what was in his heart. The Bible says that he, he gave offerings to the Lord and sacrifices to God on a regular basis. And he often did it even for his children. And uh, yet when, when the adversity came, and I mean it came in like a flood, and when it came in and hit him, instead of doing this kind of thing, it really revealed what was going on in Job's heart. Because Job said, well, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was the right response. And that, that, showed, that showed his wife and that showed his, his three friends later on that, uh, that Job's, Job's uh, motive for serving God was the right motive. So it tests, it tests our work and our service. Take, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives a parable. <clears throat> about this. And in Matthew 7, right at the, at the very end of the chapter, verse, starting in verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these 
sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now understand, just you know, he, he, this, this man did right, but there were still storms in life. And that just, again, just teaches us that uh, you're still going to have storms even when you're, you're in your right smack dab in the middle of doing God's will and doing it with the right heart. But uh, it says that after, they, after they, they fell upon the house, that the, the house uh, stood firm. Verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, disobedient, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat down the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now they both had houses, but one made it through the storm, and the other one didn't make it through the storms of life. And what, what the storms of life are is a, is a test, oftentimes, of our, our obedience. And it's also a, a test of what sort of, of work uh, we have and whom it was built upon and whom it was built for. Uh, I, I'm convinced that because of Scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, it uh, not only talks about our work here on earth, but, but alludes to the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the, one of the things that, that God is going to, to test our works, uh, save people when we stand before God, and, and uh, we stand before him at that judgment seat of Christ, one of the things he's going to test is he's going to test what sort those works were. Not just what they were, but what sort they were. In other words, why did you do what you did? For whom did you do what you did? And uh, those things are going to be tested, and adversity, adversity does that. Another thing that adversity does is it tests and sifts our friendships. Our friendships. When, when we go through adversity, it shows, shows us who's concerned, who, who cares for us, and who doesn't. And again, going back to Job. Uh, Job's three friends sat with him for seven days, never said a word, and then they began to, to speak to him. And basically, they attacked him. Now, this guy is down. Uh, I mean, this guy uh, is a, a week after the tragedies hit. He's lost his, his, uh, his family. His wife's walked out on him. His, uh, his children are all dead. His, his homes are all destroyed. <clears throat> his cattle is all gone. He has no money. He has no assets. His health is, is totally gone. He's got boils all over his body. And these three guys just start viciously attacking him and, and letting him know that there had to be sin in his life or these things wouldn't have happened. Well, it really tests and it shows you who your friends are and who your friends are not. Uh, in Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loveth at all times. Not just when things are going good, but even when things are, are going in, in, in a negative direction, when things are adverse. A true friend loves at all times. 
And by the way, remember that when you see other people go through difficulty. Uh, when, when, when adversity hits other folks, uh, it's not just for the other folks' benefit. This is one thing that God has really, uh, really impressed upon, upon my heart over the years, that when you see somebody, somebody else uh, going through difficulty, particularly in our church, um, you know, the Bible talks about, about a local church, and that a local church is like a body, and it's supposed to work together. And if, if part of the body is affected, the whole body is affected. And because of that, uh, when we see somebody going through adversity, uh, that we ought to confirm our friendship to them and try to be a blessing and try to be a, a help to them that ought to be a that ought to be a signal that uh, that they need that they need our care and they need our love and they need our prayers and sometimes uh, they even need some specific help. Another another purpose of adversity is that it, it's our call from God to identify with Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter three. Philippians three. <clears throat> Adversity is brought into our life so that because there, there is a way that through adversity we, we can identify with Christ that we can't identify with him any other way. Uh, in in um, Philippians 3, look down in verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. This is probably one of the, the greatest Christians that ever lived, loved, loved the Lord, uh, no doubt about his motives, no doubt about his love for God, no doubt about his love for others. And yet, and he had been saved for a while, and he's, in the, he's uh, writing to the church at Philippi, and he tells them this, that I may know him, speaking of God, that I may know him. Paul, I thought you knew him. Well, he does know him, but he's talking about knowing God even more and even deeper and even better, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Notice the two things that are linked together. The power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. You, cannot, you will not clearly see the power of God's resurrection in your life if you don't go through some suffering. Because it's through suffering that you see God sustaining you. It's through suffering you see God changing circumstances. It's through suffering that you see God uh, become strong on your behalf. And, and all of those things together help us to identify with Jesus Christ. The more we understand our own helplessness against the power of sin, the more we will understand the necessity of acquiring the power of his resurrection. Uh, when, it, when it comes to fighting sin, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, flee youthful lusts. Now, why does he say that? Because they will eat you alive. You are no match for, for sin. Sin will beat you. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of God in order, to, in order to get victory over sin. You know, the Bible says we're more than conquerors 
through him that, that loved us. But we're not more than conquerors because we're so great. We're more than conquerors because Jesus Christ conquered sin. And he conquered the effects of sin when he, when he rose from the dead. He has that power. And he can perform that in our life. Now, the, the only way that we can have victory over sin, the only reason why we can have victory over sin, is because of our position in Jesus Christ, because we're in Christ. The, the book of Romans, particularly uh, chapter 6, 7, and 8, deal with this, this whole concept of victory over sin in a Christian's life. A Christian can live above sin. A Christian doesn't have to, you know, doesn't doesn't have to sin. Before you got saved, you didn't have a choice. But now that you're saved, you have a choice. And there's there's power in the Christian life because of the position that we have in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter six shows us uh, some things. It shows us that we need to realize that we are crucified with Christ. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive unto God. And then it tells us that we're, we're to yield ourselves to God and our members as instruments of righteousness. It's a, it's a willful decision that we can make, and God gives us the power to make those decisions. In Romans chapter 7, he shows us that although we are overcome by the demands of the law, that uh, in Christ, we're dead to the law. And our, and our motivation is no longer the law, but now our motivation is the Spirit of God who empowers us from within. And He's the one who gives us the victory, and He's the one that gives us the fruit. And then Romans chapter 8, it goes into the fact that the Spirit of God is our power, power source as we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, we'll have continual victory over sin. But adversity shows us that we're weak in those areas and that we desperately need God. The, the next uh, uh, purpose that God has for, for adversity in our lives, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of our personal accountability to God. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 says that we'll, we'll all, get, all of us will give account, every one of us will give account of himself to God. We're responsible to God for everything we do. We're responsible for every action. We're responsible for every word. We're responsible for every thought. We're responsible for every attitude. We're responsible for every deed. We're responsible for every motive. And we're responsible individually to God for those things. And it reminds us that we have that accountability. Uh, the more we're aware of God's presence the more re responsible we become. And the more we understand our accountability to God, the more responsible we become. And when we, we step you know, across the line and we sin and we get the repercussions of the sin, that adversity reminds us of our personal responsibility. So many times you know, we, we have a tendency. You see this, you see this in the first sin that ever took place on, on earth in humanity. When uh, Adam and Eve, <clears throat> when Adam and Eve sinned, God uh, came to each of them. And came to Adam first, because he was the head of the home. And, 
and uh, he, he, he confronted him with his sin. And, and Adam, instead of taking accountability for his sin, uh, and adversity had come into the garden because of that, uh, because of that sin, he pointed to, to Eve and he said, well, it's the woman that you gave me. And he wouldn't take responsibility, he blamed it on her, and he kind of blamed it on God because he said, you gave her to me. Then, then uh, you find when it comes to the woman, the woman says, well, uh, the Satan beguiled me and the, the, Satan, the, Satan, uh, t- the serpent uh, tempted me. And again, she would not take personal accountability for sin. Uh, adversity comes into our life so that we will do that, so that we'll see that, listen, this is, this is not the road to, to walk down uh, because we, we have to give personal accountability before God. And then the last thing, uh, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is the last thing we're going to look at as far as purposes of, of adversity. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5. God allows adversity to come into our life so that we can see God strong on our behalf, so that God can teach us some things, so we can learn some principles and precepts. There's some things you can't learn any other way than by going through trouble. And if you've, you know, you've been around for very long, you've been saved for very long, you know that's true. And, and uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 5, it said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that's adversity, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Now it says right there, one of the reasons why he allows it into our lives is so we'll know how to properly comfort and be a blessing to somebody else. Now it isn't, it, it isn't true that you have to walk in every circumstance in somebody else's shoes before you can be a comfort. All you have to do is get some comfort from God and you can see someone else who needs that comfort and point them to the God of all comfort because you've been comforted of him in your adversity. And it says, By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And what he's telling the Corinthian believers is one of the way one of the reasons why Paul's saying this, one of the reasons why I can be a blessing to you is because I've gone through some stuff and God's comforted me. And I can point you to some principles, to some precepts, uh, to some things that and, and uh, get some get some some wisdom in going through adversity that I can that I can pass on to you. And 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 uh, sometimes our most effective counsel to others comes out of the things that God taught us when we were in times of suffering and, and times of trouble. I want to want to end the the message tonight with a with an illustration. Uh, I don't know if you've ever ever gone out to the Montezuma Swamp, but uh, my understanding, and those of you that know what's going on out there more than I do, I, I, I believe we have one of the largest populations of bald eagles uh, in America. Am I right on that, Donnie? You wouldn't probably know that because you've been out there an awful lot. Isn't that, isn't that true? Okay, 
And, and uh, if you've ever watched an eagle or a hawk, we've got a lot of hawks around here, if you ever watched an eagle or a hawk, have you ever noticed that, that there are times when, they, when they're flying like this, they'll spread out their wings and they'll, they'll aim them in a particular direction, and without even flapping, all of a sudden you'll watch those guys rising. Rather than going down, they go up. You know why that is? Because there are some winds of adversity that are coming against them. And they know how to use the winds of adversity to gain more altitude. And that's a, that's a, real, that's a real illustration uh, to, as, to, as to the benefits of adversity in the, in the lives of a, of a believer. Turbulent winds uh, cause the eagle to fly higher. Adversity teaches us how to rely on Christ and how to tap into his strength and to, to be more Christ-like. Turbulent winds give the eagle a larger view. In other words, when those winds hit him and he goes up, he can see more than he could see before. And when, when we get hit by adversity and we respond properly, we can see things in a different light. There's, there's some things that God teaches you that uh, you didn't know were true before. We see it from God's perspective rather than from our own. Turbulent winds lift the eagle above harassment. It lifts him above the crows and the hawks and the, the, the small birds and uh, leaves the distractions behind. Uh, Adversity will, if we again, we've got to respond properly, but it'll teach us to rise above pettiness and rise above distractions and rise above those things that really, really don't matter and, and uh, have victory in our lives for Christ. Turbulent winds allow the, the eagle to use less effort, not more effort. Again, if you've ever watched one of these birds, uh, and they're, they're flying, and the wind comes against them. They don't, they don't just all, you know, try to work harder because there's wind opposing them. Instead, they angle their wings, and they use those, they call them thermal updrafts, that take them up, and they actually go higher in altitude uh, than, than they would otherwise. They don't do that because they're using a lot of effort. They're allowing, the, they're allowing that updraft to take them higher. And the, the adversity in our life uh, teaches us how to, how to trust God and how to depend upon God. And those things will cause us to, to have more victory with a whole lot less effort. Uh, have, you, have you ever been in a, in a problem and you start, if you pardon the expression, flapping your wings, so to speak, and, and trying to beat against the problem, and the problem just gets worse. There are times, now I'm not saying that you shouldn't do anything when problems come. That's not what I'm implying at all. But there are times when God shows, shows us, listen, you can't do anything. There's some situations that have hit us as a congregation, as individuals, as families. And you can work as hard as you want to work, but you know what? If God doesn't intervene, it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. And you know what I'm talking about. You've gone through it. Uh, what God wants to do is be strong on your behalf during those times and lift you to heights 
that you've never been before. You don't do that with fleshly effort. You do that by relying on him. Turbulent winds allow the eagle to stay up longer. And when we respond properly to to adversity, uh, our endurance gets strengthened. And we can go longer and farther in the Christian life. And then last of all, turbulence uh, turbulent winds help the eagle fly faster. You can get more accomplished for Christ through his power in adversity than you can in calm times through your own power. In, in, in closing, take your Bibles, just one verse, and, or actually uh, one passage, and I'm done. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40, I want you to start with me in verse 28. When we get down to verse 31, it's going to get real familiar. But in verse 28, taking it in context, it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. He doesn't get tired. There is no searching of his understanding. It's limitless. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. You know what that is right there? That's adversity hitting you right smack in the face. Verse 30, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for adversity. Thank you for difficulties and for problems that come our way. There's some things that we can learn There's some strengths that we can receive. You've told us that uh, when we are weak, then you are strong. And Father, I've I've watched over the years, not only in my life, in the lives of so many Christians, that uh, you have been strong on their behalf when they could not do anything. What that does, Lord, that really builds our confidence in you. Uh, it helps us to realize that you're a God that we can trust. It makes us realize that you love us, you care for us. Uh, what, a, what a blessing it is. We don't, I don't think there's a person here that, that uh, enjoys going through adversity, but we can, we can be thankful for it and we can rejoice in it because we know what it does. If it's responded to properly... It can make us stronger. If it's responded to properly, it can give glory and honor to you. I pray that you'd work in our hearts tonight. There, there could be many different things that you could be speaking to your people about tonight. Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's a complaint in the spirit when adversity comes. I know one of the things that uh, uh, you constantly work on me on is, is having a complaining attitude and uh, uh, when when we complain, we we really we really limit 
you and what what you would desire to do for us and with us and through us through the adversity. Uh, help us, help us, God, just to to see that adversity has a purpose, and that any time you wanted to stop it from coming into our lives, it would it would cease. It wouldn't be there. But Lord, you allow it for a reason. And the reason, it, bottom line, is, is, is that if it's responded to properly, it'll make us stronger. Help us, uh, God, to respond right when adversity comes. Uh, have your will and have your way in this invitation. Speak to our hearts. And as you speak to us tonight, may we respond to you in the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.